This is like the return of Casual Friday. I feel like we haven't done any of that since like pre-Thanksgiving. And now we get back to Casual Friday. I've got five or uh, eight, not five. I've got eight stream of consciousness questions. Like what the hell's going to happen in the 2023 baseball season? Jack, Peter, Aram, the three of us on the Just Baseball show here on January 6th. Uh, guys, are you ready to just like take a peek into my mind and, and wonder what the burning questions are going into March 30 and opening day? One of my favorite minds, because you just yeah. never know what's going to come out of it. It could be a yeah. conspiracy theory about soccer. It could be about Von Grissom. You never know. Right, Arm? Yeah, it, it could be where Blee Madris factors into the Astros now that they picked him up. It's Bly. It's not Blee. Blee. Oh, uh, and that, that, that also. Sorry, real quick. Just waiting. There's a part of his brain that is dedicated towards just waiting to pounce on people's mispronunciations. Like th- I think that's 20% of Jack's brain. It's just waiting. <laughs> well, the other 80% is just pure uh, unveiled asshole. So no, no, I'd well, say the, like the, the mispronunciation thing. Yeah. So I'd say I'm just 100% asshole. Is that yeah. is that one of those Fort Minor lyrics? I'm 100% asshole. There's 2% in there that's got a lot of love in it. Yeah. I'm 102% Jack. Let's go, baby. Let's go. (laughs) No, but I'm going to take you all the way from Javier Baez to Jason Hayward uh, to Austin (laughs) Riley. You guys excited? We should we should kind of do this next couple of Fridays. Like next Friday, maybe I'll bring some just questions that I have no idea about. Want your guys' opinion? That scares me even more. I think. Yeah, the mine is going to be <laughs> disgusting. I'll it's bring be, some questions. It's going to be all about like weather forecasts for overs, yeah. and then Arm's going to bring like, do we really think the thirtieth ranked prospect in the Angels is better than the twenty? I mean, I do. We, we just we just talked about it before we recorded. I, James Outman at twenty sixth via Fangraphs in in the Dodger system. Criminal, criminal, absolutely criminal. Did I say that right? By the way, Jack James Outman. Did I pr- pronounce that right? Yeah, no, you're good, Arm. Okay. Thanks for checking. No, I just want to make sure he was waiting. Such yeah. a dick, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So, Aram, how about this? How about Peter? You go next Friday. Aram, you go the Friday after that. And there we go. We have a trend. Fair. Look at that. Look at that. Filling Look at content. Us. Look at us. Look at yeah. us. Who would have thought? Not me. Well, every other baseball podcast does like once or twice a week. We're four days a week hammering the questions that everyone wants to know. Right. Yeah. Uh, like my first one. Who has a higher F war this year? Vaughn Grissom or Javier Baez? Aram, you go this. first. Yeah, yeah. Aram, you go first because you posted an incredible thread basically saying Vaughn Grissom on Twitter. And if you aren't following Aram on Twitter yet, what the hell are you doing? But that's another story about Vaughn Grissom, about the ability to play shortstop and how you do think he's going to be able to play shortstop. And that's key here. Before yeah. you do that, um, let me just say Javier Baez had a 2.0 F1, 144 games and a 90 WRC plus Vaughn Grissom had a 0.7 F4 in 41 games, so 103 fewer games, and he had a 121 WRC+. Those are the 2022 numbers. Aram, what say you about the defense? 
This is like these one of the best terrible questions I think I've ever been asked. Um, I'll just I'll before we even get into the end, I'll just talk Von Grissom real quick. That thread was really fun. I had no idea that it was going to get as much traction as it did. I, Peter, I think, retweeted it before he even watched the thread because I tweeted it and I just saw Peter Apple retweet it because I think Peter was like, oh, Arn made a thread. Like, I know I'm going to like it. Retweeted it. Got the <laughs> then I watched all of it like four times immediately because yeah. I was like, this is perfect. Good co-host move. Um, I think Peter has tweet notifications on for you and I. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, which always. is which is great. So, so th- that These that I two, appreciate. They don't they don't go on my Twitter. I'm always in their Twitter. Dude. I see Jax. He'll post a random movie poster when we're about to talk about the Tigers. Okay, I'm like, what are we doing? Hold on, hold on. Young Rock on NBC. Who the hell cares? That's so Young. dumb. I care because I think it's stupid as hell. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. But so Von Grissom, I, I went back and I'm not kidding, watched every single ground ball he took at shortstop during the minor league season um, because he didn't play any shortstop at the big league level. I think a total of 10 innings. Um, and, and the big questions were range and you know, arm strength's good. And it, but people pulled up his baseball savant page, which actually made me almost want to pull my I hair hate out so much. He, threw, he only played second base, and it was a sample of 180 throws. It, it, it doesn't, and it takes the top five percent of 180 throws. I promise you, he has a good arm. I promise you. But what are so his beyond that? I, yeah, the bubbles. I wanted to see how he was moving, and like he's not the most athletic dude in the world. He's a good athlete. He's not like a freak athlete, but he moves his body really well and it's fluidity, right? So if you're not going to be the most explosive guy in the world, if you're fluid and control your body, well, you can make all those plays. I look at a Miguel Rojas, who I think is one of the more, you know, unathletic, good shortstops. He's a phenomenal defender. He's not a great athlete. I don't think Von Grissom is going to be an, an incredible defender, but I just wanted to know if he could get by. And if he's not going to be, you know, a negative 10 DRS guy, which I don't think he's going to be. Is it going to be a drop off from Dansby Swanson? Absolutely. But I think he can make all the plays. And in the thread, I go through backhand, forehand, uh, you know, throws from different arm angles. Everything you need to see there is on, is on the thread. But I, I think that ultimately his value is going to come from the bat. And if he can just hold his own defensively, you know, which is what I tried to make the case that he can do, uh, I think he's going to do that. So the tough part is, as we go into the Javier Baez side of things is, how bad is Javi going to be next year? And and then how does that kind of factor into the Von Grissom side? But I think Von can be a league average defender or, you know, at worst, slightly below that, at best, slightly above that. And I think that's all you can really ask for with the Braves because the rest of their team is freaking nasty and Grissom's only going to get better and better. He's not even 22 yet. I like how you broke it down in terms of a baseball sense arm because I'm going to break it down in terms of a hater sense. Yes. I'm Javier Baez's number one hater. I think he sucks. Stop mm. swinging at everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Javier Baez should be sent to the moon. I think that he is only going to get worse because it's not – it's a – it's like a lack of – he does – He's not making any adjustments. We see this year over year. He knows his struggles. Like you even see guys like Aaron Judge, like fixing his swing. Even a guy like Cody Bellinger, we'll see what he does when he goes over to Chicago. Like some guys just don't want to make changes. Javier Baez just seems incapable of making changes. So even if Von Grissom has negative 10 defensive runs saved, 
I'm still going to pick Von Grissom because it's not like Javi is this incredible defender. He makes a lot of silky smooth tags, but like you look at Javier Baez's bubbles or you watch a play or you look at the defensive run saved. It's not like he's this all world defender either. So I'm just going to go Von Grissom based on the fact that I don't care if he's the worst defensive shortstop of all time. I don't care if he looks like Bobby Wood Jr. out there last year because Bobby Wood Jr. still had a higher war than Javier Baez and he was terrible defensively. So I think Von Grissom, by default, is automatically going to be my choice, and I feel like I could break it down, and you did as well. couple of notes here. Javier Baez had a 2.9% uh, home run percentage. That was So percentage of plate appearances resulting in a home run, 2.9%. That is the lowest of his career since he was 22 years old in 2015. Javier Baez had a 4.4% walk rate. Somehow... This dude had a 3% walk rate in 2020 in the COVID short in 2020 season. <laughs> the number that jumps out the most to me here, average exit velocity this past season, 87.9 miles an hour. Dude, they started awesome. tracking his average exit velo when he was 22 in 2015, his first full season. This past year was the lowest average exit velocity of his career. Well, you, you know what brings down that average exit velocity is the fact of all these dribblers he hits back Correct. to the mound or, the, or the weak ground balls is because he's swinging at sliders way out of the zone and just flailing and barely touching the ball. So those 98, 100, 110 mile an hour line drives are getting bogged down by the eight mile an hour weak ground house shit. Like he was 72nd percentile and I was above average. It's not even yeah. like an all-world defender either. So I'm going Vagris, but I'm not even thinking about it. You know what's so frustrating about him, and we've talked about this in the past, is like the fact that he is even capable of producing a 90 WRC plus despite chasing <laughs> 47% of the time. I, if you took a majority of big league hitters and said, you have to swing at 70% of pitches, which is what he swings at, and you have to chase 47% of pitches – I don't think many of them would hit as well as Javier Baez does. Like he is that freaking talented that he has the worst approach I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Ever, ever. ever. And he still somehow like puts up it's numbers so that tough. are almost okay. And he has in the past put up numbers that are good. That's what frustrates the hell out of me. If he had a like mildly okay approach, this guy's this guy's a great baseball player. And that's why we've seen it in flashes. Highest ground ball rate of his career last year. Highest, highest ground ball rate of his career. Not, I mean, 50.6 compared to like a 50.3 in 2022 and 50.4 yeah. in 2019, but Fire. highest ground ball rate of his career last year. So at 70% of all pitches, seven out of 10 pitches hurled his way. He swung at, like, think about that. Curve balls, 71% of curve balls. And look at the pitching he's faced. He's How many times did he face Brad Keller's crazy Pause. great slider? This motherfucker swung at 70% of the curveballs he saw. And sliders. Curveballs and sliders. Combined curveballs and sliders, 72% swing rate. Like Jonathan Heasley is sitting him down. Don't one. throw it in the strike zone. Dude. 72% of sliders and curveballs were swung at. Step one of approach that you learn as soon as like your opposing pitcher can start throwing curveballs and they're like 12 or 13 years old. It's like, hey, don't throw them or else your elbow is going to fly off. Yeah, they start throwing them when they're 13 years old. Step one of approach at that age is when they throw a breaking ball, don't swing. Like you would think he would have the approach of a 12 year old, but it sounds like he does not even yeah. have the discipline of a 12 year old little leaguer. Yeah. Last Kids. thing I'll say. 
kids Last these days when they're eight years old, they're already tunneling with sliders and fastballs. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 54% chase rate on sliders. And he saw more sliders than fastballs last year. Yeah, no Very shit. few hitters seem. Yeah, no, honestly, you say no shit, but like usually like you're still going to see more fastballs. He literally like even guys that didn't have a slider called time. The catcher came up and said, you ever threw a slider before? No. You grip it like this, throw it, whole swing yeah, at it. I swear it to God. Like, <laughs> that's to be what they do. So I'm going to to circle back on the answer of this. Like I'm with Peter. I, I don't know how much better Javi Baez is going to be. But at the same time, there's like the voice in the back of my head. Like, can he really be worse than this? Yeah. Like, can he swing more than 70? Yeah, that's the voice talking to me. It's like, I don't think he can get worse than what he just did with Detroit. So do you think he's better. going to see more breaking balls or less breaking balls in 2023? And do you think he's going to change his approach or keep the same? <laughs> well, according to the last fucking 10 years of his baseball life, he's going to stay the exact same. So you know what? Grissom by a country mile. Grissom could put up a one more. Javi might put up a negative four next year. <laughs> he had a two, a real underdog story that Javi Baez was a two F four guy last year. I don't, I don't know how it computed that way. I, what I if don't Baez remember. gets worse on defense? He's older. Yeah, I'm gonna go Von Grissom. Fuck yeah, right. Grissom. Grissom. All right, next one. Uh, get out a pen and paper if you needed it. I want you to rank these five guys by value for the St. Louis Cardinals. In other words. Moving forward, who do the St. Louis Cardinals oh, I hate want this. to be a St. Louis Cardinal? I hate this. <laughs> Lars Nupar, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman. Does control matter? Like control can matter. I'm just thinking, like, okay, hand out an Alex Anthopoulos type extension to these guys. Like, who are you giving the pre-arb extension to? Newtbar. Carlson, O'Neill, Donovan, Gorman. I think O'Neill's already in arbitration. Uh, okay, I wrote them down. Uh, I just there's there's parts of these guys that I love about. They're all of almost them. all the exact same in my mind. Like internally, I'm like I just named five of the same guy. So, so O'Neill, O'Neill is the highest ceiling, but the lowest just, floor. I the lowest floor. Like Gorman, I would say, has the lowest floor. Yeah, Gorman probably has the lowest floor. But Gorman could have one of the higher ceilings here, too. I mean, he when he hits the ball, it hit the crap shoots out. out like a cannon. That's the thing. I gave you two really volatile guys and three know. very steady guys with limited ceilings. But Carlson, I just, in center field, he's going to play incredible defense no matter what. But Donovan could play everywhere, and he can hit a little bit. He's got a 400 bar. OBP. Yeah, Newt Bar is good, and we've seen him in in videos. He's probably one of my favorite. He looks jacked. Yeah, he he's one of my favorite breakout candidates for for next year. I think Newt. But we know the Cardinals; they're not going to give out any money. They spent it all almost like a Contreras, all eighty eight million of it, even though they're a huge market. You want um, me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I don't know. Okay, so I'm with. Both you guys on Newt Bar's breakout. I think that Lars Newt Bar has like a real chance to be a really, really big impact bat for the St. Louis Cardinals. So I'm going to go Newt Bar one. I'm going to wow. go Carl. I'm going to go Carlson two, just because the floor is so freaking high. Um, like defensively, he's incredible and switch hitting helps. I'm going to go Donovan three because he's a utility guy with a 400 OBP. He's Tommy Edmund light right now. The glove is not there, but. You know, the plate discipline is there. I'm going to go Tyler O'Neill four because I think there is 
uh, a chance, not a good chance, but a chance that he's back to 40 homer Tyler O'Neill. And then Gorman five, uh, because Aram has sold me on the flaws of Nolan Gorman. I feel bad. I like <laughs> I, I feel like I'm so mean about Nolan Gorman because, like, he could still be a fine baseball player. I, it was just like how high he was being regarded. I am I am I fan. am I crazy for saying Tyler O'Neill won? No, no, you're not. not like that's all. the thing. Like, all these guys are interchangeable, on, one through five. Like Tyler O'Neill could be an MVP candidate. Correct. I don't see MVP candidate in any of these guys. No, but that's what I would give it to O'Neill. Probably number two. Uh, number. I'll, I'll just, buy you some more time, Peter, because there's a funny, a Dylan, funny I'm, thing. Funny. Yeah, I'm such a Dylan Carlson guy. Yeah, no, I know. I like him a lot, too. It's funny because, you know, Jack, it's kind of a, it, it's almost like a, 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 like a personality test in a way, because Jack is super risk averse. You are willing to take on a little bit more risk and you're like, you know, you, you live on the edge the gambling as the guy. gambling guy. <laughs> yeah, so like. Tyler O'Neill, there's there's probably GMs out there who are you know not afraid of risk and would roll the dice on him. Um, Jack is is super conservative and, and puts him down there, but like that just shows you based on who you are, you could justify almost any order of this, which is why it's a great question. So I just bought you some more time to think, Peter. What you got? I think that's the first time I've ever been called conservative. By the way, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go O'Neill one. I'm gonna go Carlson two. Over Newbar, even though I do love, I do really like Newbar, and I believe the breakout will continue. I just think Carlson to the O'Neill at number one. Carlson is so safe because I do think that he struggled last year offensively, but he still put up a war close to Brian Reynolds. We talked about that on the last podcast, even at the bottom of the barrel offensively. Like I think there's still more in there. I'm gonna go. Newt three. So I went O'Neill one, Carlson two, Newt three, Donovan four, Gorman five. That's my list. Okay. And I even wrote it in Sharpie so I can remember it. And it could be the complete opposite. Gorman's going to be an MVP and Tyler O'Neill's going to be out of the league in three years. <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm a little nervous about O'Neill um, health wise and, and, and swing and miss wise. But again, like that's one where he, he, if he's healthy and right, like, we're gonna look back and be like, man, when I, I put O'Neill third or he's fourth, amazing when yeah. right, like he's amazing. Yeah, it, it's just just such a wide range of outcomes for me. I'm going Newt one because Newt has some like just just the 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 swing plays. He's an athlete; he can play all three outfield spots. He also hits the shit out of the ball, and like we, we yes, we saw what he was doing at driveline. His exit velos last year were already among some of the better on the team. And then now he's tapping into more. Um, I, I really think he's going to break out in a big, big way. And there's a reason why the Cardinals were not willing to trade him uh, really in, in, in a lot of those conversations, according to Ken Rosenthal. So I'm going to go Newt one. Wow. I'm going to go. Carlson is like a full two years younger than Brendan Donovan. And that's the crazy thing is like if Carlson was in the minor leagues doing what Donovan was doing for the last two years, instead of being in the big leagues and holding his own, like what, you know, would we be pitting himself against himself so hard? I don't know. So I'm going to go Newt one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Carlson two. I'm going to go Donovan three. Mm. O'Neal four, Gorman five, and only because I love high floor prospects and players, and I am soft and a bitch. 
as long as you admit it. See, okay, hold on. Let me let me just say, Aram realized he had an identical list to me, so he yeah. he needed to double back and say, "I only made that list because I'm a bitch." <laughs> Wait, is yeah. that was that actually the same list you yes, made? Same exact <laughs> list. You I'm gonna drag I, you down with me, bro. Yeah, I um, get it. But I, that you know said, what? I stand I with Peter's list. I'm. Cool I don't with like the list. gloves anymore. Gorman one, O'Neill two, cool. <laughs> cool. Newt three. Yep, yeah, Donovan. Four. Donovan's too safe. Yvonne Herrera, Next. five. Yeah. Give me Luis Campusano on the Padres, because maybe. <laughs> um, all right. So before we move on, I pulled up uh, the steamer projections on fan graphs. Okay. Four of these five guys have a projected F4 between 2.8 and 2.6. Like when wow. I tell you they're the exact same, they're the exact fucking same. Who's number one? Yeah. Donovan and Carlson have a 2.8 F4 projected. O'Neill and Newt Barr at 2.6 and Gorman's at 1.4. Now, of the five, who do you think is the highest WRC plus projection? Uh, O'Neill. Mm, I'm going to go Lars. Team Japan's finest, Lars Newt Barr. Wow. 124. Donovan next at 120. O'Neill at 117. Carlson at 115, Gorman at 109. Gorman at 109? RMD, the over-under next year. <laughs> over-under 109. I think, I think he gets 109 because they literally don't put him against one lefty. He's going to walk a little bit, and he's going to run into homers. He's going to hit 200 with a 109 WRC+. plus. I think we that's do, what happens. We do make fun of him, but at the same time, he does hit the living crap out of the ball. And if this is your fifth best position player... That's why you trade for a starting pitcher. I don't know why they don't trade him because a lot of teams value him high. And And he should be valued pretty high. He should be playing every day. He should be playing every day. Yeah. So, all right. Ditch Gorman for a starting pitcher. Uh, That was the longest one. I promise. Third one. Lower ERA this year. Lucas Giolito or Jose Barrios? (laughs) Lucas Giolito had a 4.90 ERA, a 4.23 expected ERA, and a 406 FIP. But his stuff is not as good as Barrios. Barrios, when he did throw strikes, it was down the dick, send me into oblivion. He had a 523 ERA, a 511X ERA, and a 455 FIP. Who has the better year? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> um, both pitchers have upside. And we saw the downside of both. Um, thing that is helping Giolito, but again, I was about to say division, but the schedules won't reflect that anymore. So throw that out the window that Brios has got to throw against AL East competitions in tiny little ballparks while Giolito gets to go to Detroit and Kansas City and, and play in those type of ballparks. I... I don't really have an answer that's based on statistics. This is more of a gut feel. I do think Barrios is going to turn it around. I do. That doesn't mean that I don't think Giolito can. I just think Barrios has a little bit more upside. And I just feel like that was a freak year. First year with the team. Giolito's been on the White Sox now for a while. Give me Barrios to have the lower ERA here. But I could be convinced, Arm. I, I'm trying my best. Um, yeah, because what, are you going to back it up with stats? Like, they're both. Take uh, this stat for you. Okay. His four, Jose Barrios, four-seam fastball last year. 
obliterated. <laughs> Is there a word worse than that? Uh, mutilated. I think worse. 354, 410, 615 slash line. That's a 1024 OPS. I think that was Paul Goldschmidt's exact slash line. Literally, yeah. <laughs> better. Better. <laughs> yeah. Literally, if if Jose Barrios's fastball allowed was a player, it would be the consensus unanimous MVP, <laughs> right? 1024 OPS hitting 354. So Sinker was a little bit better for him. He was at the point where he was throwing his curveball more than any other pitch last year. Uh, if you factor the, the fastball and the sinkers, two different pitches. The thing with 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 Barrios is it wasn't health related last year, as far as we know, right? He's throwing 94. With Giolito, it, it kind of seems like it's health related, right? I mean, that's that's what it seemed like to me. I know Jack watched, you know, more Giolito starts, but to me, I saw a guy that had his stuff diminished and nibbled more. And that's always more concerning to me. Barrios, I, I don't know what diminished. He didn't nibble though. He just threw it right down the middle. <laughs> I Barrios is more talented. I think Giolito is a little bit safer because I think you can pencil in Giolito for like a four something, whereas Barrios could be anywhere from a low threes to a high fives. <laughs> Hell, depending he could on be how high twos. Yeah. I mean, if he's totally right, yeah. Um I'm going to say Barrios figures this shit out. They have so much technology now, dude. Just just change the shape of that shit. Throw it different. Throw a sinker. Do something else. Um, I'm going to go Jose Barrios, but not with much confidence. Sometimes you just got to go to bed and start the next day, right? Like sometimes a day just sucks and it's like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and try again. I think that was Jose Barrios' 2022 season. I think that season just sucked. It snowballed on him. Five days felt like two days between starts. And I, I think he probably slept for 12 hours a night for the first couple of weeks of the offseason and was just like, you know what? Let's figure this shit out again. Giolito, for how much I've watched Lucas Giolito, I still can't figure that dude out. Like, And I can't figure out how he was considered a top 10 pitcher in the game. Obviously, the numbers backed up that he was a top 10 pitcher in the game at one point. In one point recently... But the amount of changeups I see down the dick from Lucas Giolito. And that's I mean, his best I, pitch. I mean, okay, so best pitch this past year had a 248 batting average against at a Woba 340. That's not sustainable at all. Like, and, I think this dude actually turns into T-ball sometimes that I watch him. And Jose Barrios, it was just this year because he was leaving middle, middle fastballs to the world's best players. Um, I think if Barrios does anything better he's better than giolito because i i just don't i don't see a world where giolito all of a sudden unlocks that confidence that had his stuff uptick and had his execution flawless the fastball velo down 1.3 miles per hour i mean like it was just there were starts that he rolled out there and he was a nothing burger it was brutal I was so going to go on a uh, home road splits guy with Brio. Uh-huh. You know, he's he's entering, you know, a new country. And then in the back of my mind, I was thinking to myself, wait a minute. You were on him or against him on the road. So I was like, all right, let me go check just the splits to see if I was the back of my head voice was correct. And to not give him the benefit of the doubt of entering a new country, you know, first year with the team. And man, was I right. Uh, he had a four-two-four ERA in home games in Little Toronto versus a six-three-six 
ERA away from the Rogers Center. So it had nothing to do with going to a new country, playing in the Rogers Center. It had all to do with, I I don't know. It was terrible on the road. Terrible. I want to I want to get a Blue Jay on the pod because I gotta ask if they go through customs every time. It's gotta suck. They, they gotta, gotta, right? But like, do they have their own, you know, a, a attendant? Like, do they have they their have own couple to, of right? attendants when they have the charter they have when to. they land? That, that would be a deal breaker for me. Dead ass would be a deal breaker. We need, a, we sign need somewhere a Blue else. Jay on the pod, or like they all probably have global entry or some shit. So I, I bet they're fine. But like, I I do want to ask a Blue Jay if if they have to go through customs every time. Yeah, we should, get, we should get Jordan Romano on the pod. Um, right. Jordan Romano, have you seen his home road splits last year? Yeah, he loves Canada, right? Um, I'm pulling them up right now. I think he did love. No, he loved. Um, he loved. Yeah, he loved Canada. One point one zero ERA, twenty two saves, zero eight WHIP, three one six ERA on the road, one two four WHIP. It's bizarre. Him bizarre. and Barrios. Yeah. They hate us. They hate hate us. (laughs) Yes. Well, we'll fucking don't come back if you don't like us. Um. All right. Good Uh, one. Thanks. (laughs) Next one. Monday, April third. The Astros are hosting the Detroit Tigers after wrapping up after wrapping up a four game set against the White Sox. (laughs) Who throws the first pitch of the game for the Houston Astros? Because you have to assume that four-game set is Valdez on opening day, Javier game two, McCullers game three, Luis Garcia game four. Is it Jose Urquidy, or is it the start of the full season in the rotation for Hunter Brown? If it's not Hunter Brown, then what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> got to be Hunter Brown. I was almost thinking it's going to be Luis Garcia because Brown's going to be the four. It's got to be Brown. It's got to be Brown, right? Like Jose Ar- Urquidy... <laughs> He's another guy that we're unreasonably hard on. Like he's a very solid big league starter. Three nine forty. All right. Yeah. Mid. It's 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 got. If it's not Hunter Brown, I I don't know what we're doing here. Um, it's got to be Hunter Brown. But they weren't think, willing to depart with Urquidy for Wilson Contreras at the deadline. Like they obviously really like Urquidy. It's insane to me. Yeah, that was the craziest. I think that I think that was because they didn't want to cut into Maldi's playing time. I don't know. I don't know about that one, but. I, I would put a lot of money on it either being Hunter Brown, and if it's not Hunter Brown, it's Luis Garcia, like Peter said, because Hunter Brown is the four. Um, but I don't know how they want where they want to sandwich the rookie in there. In terms of of chronology of who I think is going to be the best next year, I think there's a very legitimate chance that like he's their third best starter. Hunter Brown is um, yeah Valdez is, Javier Brown, mm-hmm. yeah, or better than Javier. No, <laughs> oh, let's run it back. Let's run it back on this one. Can't. Can't can't have the take yet. Gotta wait, right, yeah. Jack? Gotta wait till he's inducted in Cooperstown. I get yeah. it. Damn um, it. Yeah, I like Brown kind of over the volatility of what Lance McCullers could be, right? Like McCullers could absolutely lead baseball in walks again. Um, all right. Javier's Javier's projected a four ERA by Fangraphs. Oh no! So down the alarms. Yeah. So they're on my side. They, yeah. Print, print the shirts, Christian. Javier sucks. he's so good damn it that was so bad x sucks um all right who gets more at bats arm layton eric hosmer or matt mervis oh good luck (laughs) let me let me put this in the most simple way i can if eric hosmer 
has more plate appearances than Matt Mervis in 2023, the Chicago Cubs are an absolute joke. I, it's it's that simple. If Eric Hosmer is anything shy of an insurance policy, then I have no idea what the Chicago Cubs are doing. I didn't mind the signing in the idea of okay, be Hosmer real. actually hit. Be real, you minded no. the signing. No, just, no, just mind it. No, I'll tell you why I don't mind it. If he does this. If he plays first base to spell Mervis, who, you know, they don't know how good he's going to be defensively there. I think he's going to be fine because I watched him play third on the Cape and he pitched. He's a good athlete. But if he has a little bit of a learning curve at first, okay, you got Hosmer, who's a good defender. He's won gold gloves there. Also, Hosmer is a guy that weirdly has like reverse splits or at least hits lefties well. He could do that. If he's an insurance policy, it's fine. If you are burying Matt Mervis or, I, you know, I read like, oh, this could allow them to start Matt Mervis in AAA, that would be why the fuck that would, would be a they joke. do that? Because the one thing I will say, and you can go listen to the call-up episode, you know, I can promise Matt Mervis will take his assignment and do it, whatever they tell him to do. But I know that he feels very confident and very good in what he did last year. And he felt like he proved enough by the end of last year to be in the big leagues, right? Remember talking about this about MJ Melendez last season as well, right? What kind of message are you sending if a guy performs the way that, that Matt Mervis did? And and all the way through the year, send him to the Arizona fucking fall league, even though he's gassed after hitting 40 pumps and he rakes there, too, which, which seemingly to try to convince them to to play him in opening day. And then you start that guy in triple A. What kind of message does that send to Pete Carl Armstrong or or to, to Brennan Davis or to the other guys in the organization, especially when the Cubs are are trying to be better now? But I don't even know if, if Hosmer is your best foot forward. I put a lot of money on. Mervis having a higher WRC plus than Hosmer. Mervis makes them better now. Yes. Like, right. Hosmer doesn't make them better now. So if you're playing no. to be better now, play Matt Mervis. If you want to play your young your young prospects, play Matt Mervis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no there's no correct answer yeah. on the Hosmer side. I, w- I want to go back to your point of what does that say to other guys? You just named Pete Crow Armstrong, who is a golden ticket guy. Like, the only person stopping Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be Pete Crow Armstrong. But what does it say to the non-golden ticket prospects from around the league? And MJ Melendez was not a golden ticket prospect, right? Bobby Witt was. That's why he was on the opening day roster. MJ was not. What that tells you about non-golden ticket prospects is that it literally doesn't matter what you do. Like there are guys ahead of you on the totem pole and it doesn't matter if you have the best run producing season in minor league baseball. Like, you are the best power bat in minor league baseball. Here we go. We're having this conversation back-to-back years. Melendez in 22, Mervis in 23. Melendez was the minor league home run king. Mervis was the minor league RBI king. And we're having this conversation that it still might not have been enough for their parent club. You guys want to know the answer, though? It's Hosmer. You think it's Hosmer? What do you think is going to happen? Like, realistically, we know what we'd do, but we also know the Cubs. Right. Like, so I want you to separate. Like, we all know Mervis should get more at-bats, should get triple the at-bats of Hosmer. But what I think Hosmer's going to get more at-bats. I I do do think Hosmer gets more at-bats than Mervis. I I am nervous about that because they also have Pat Wisdom, right, who's going to eat into some of the DH at-bats. I mean – it's it's insane, and also like, is is there a part of you? Because here's the thing: they're paying they're paying Hosmer the league minimum, right? And I think I, I didn't see the contract details. I assume it's the league minimum. Um, no, it's more. Five it's year more? deal, 
hundred million. A hundred million. <laughs> but you know, like for a league minimum, that guy on your bench who you know can play a good first, like that, that's fine. He hasn't been the worst hitter in baseball. He's been technically above league average. So like it, from that perspective, fine addition. But I almost wonder if it's like part of the front if they don't start Mervis at the big league level. To, to just say, hey, yeah, we, you know, we have Hosmer now. We want Mervis to get, a, you know, a little bit more ready defensively at first base and, and get more comfortable there. So when he comes up, he can play every day, a la Chris Bryant, right? Is this the first step of of blatant service time manipulation? Like, it, it, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here. Like, if if if, Hos, or if Hosmer is the starting first baseman and they use that as a reason to put Mervis in AAA, say we're good for right now, can you call it anything other than service time manipulation? No, Hosmer was a below average defender last year. Yeah, then, then fuck. You're gonna that. get better. Yeah, he's gonna have it's, it's gonna click for him at 30, 32, 33. 30th percentile and outs above average. 30th. Um, yeah, but the ball carries more in, in, in Chicago. So when he one hops it yeah. on the first bounce, it might get over the wall. He might have more ground rule doubles. We're playing tennis. Um, yeah, oh. Eric Hosmer signed for. One year, 720, which is the new league minimum. I love the escalating new league minimum. It's like something new to add, right? I was thinking, oh, well, he got 720. Why? When the minimum is 700. No, the minimum is 720. Also, do you think that is the first free agent deal that Scott Boris has ever negotiated under a million dollars in AAV? (laughs) The answer is the first question, yes. But also like $720,000 to play baseball. That's awesome. No, that is so incredibly high Dude, for a minute. I love it. It's so good. That was one of the best things that they could have done because, you know, like you could probably talk about this with Taylor Davis, like talking to some of the guys in the upper minors, they're just like, yeah, man, you know, I get up there for a couple weeks. That's more than I made the whole year in the minor leagues, you know, just with the prorated salary. So these guys are just amped to get up there for a little bit. And that's why when people are always like, oh, they're going to bring him up and then send him right back. Poor guy's got to travel all over. If he's up there for three games, he's pocketing a nice chunk of change that would have been more than he made the whole month uh, in the minor leagues, which is absolutely remarkable. So uh, the new prorated minimum is great. Uh, but Hosmer, for, for him, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what he was making previously. And what he's still making, actually, technically speaking, I guess that gets subtracted from what the Padres are still paying because they're covering all of his salary when he went to the Red Sox, which is crazy. Yeah. So I I think if I remember somebody telling me this correctly, I think it's $38,000 a week that you get if you are up there on the MLB team and you're making that. So you're getting a check every other week for what, $76,000? Yeah. That's pretty nice. That's pretty great, right? That's not for that. My my favorite uh, little anecdote in regards to that, you remember when – it was like 15 to one, the pirates lost and they, they run cam view out there in like his fourth career appearance. And he threw 50 pitches before getting it out. Like, do you remember, does that ring a bell at all? This was like July. I don't remember that. Yeah. 50 okay. pitches. Um, cam view threw 50 pitches before getting it out in like a 12 run game. And they didn't take him out for a position player. Like they just left him out there. Um, I think it was a 58 pitch inning and eight runs against him were scored before he recorded an out. Um, instead of like immediately DFAing or sending down, um, they let him sit on the big league roster for like a week. And then they did it because they felt, I assume they felt bad. So they got him another like 40 K, which is that's sick. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's 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 like you know, 
year-altering stuff there if, if he has a family and everything like that's that's a big difference that's cool it's crazy how like little decisions like that like a little like a couple buttons or you know uh, one phone call can impact this guy's yeah whether whether he gets one one house or or not like just just whether we decide to keep you on the roster for six more days could could cover his rent for several months it's crazy good for the, good for the pirates man it's good yeah. karma that is good karma. good karma. Yeah, they, they, now they're going to definitely get that Soto package for Reynolds. Love that. All right, Trace Moss. Um, what is Jason Hayward's OPS with the Dodgers this year? And in how I many games? About that. Jesus, I forgot he's a what, Dodger. What was Mookie Betts's OPS last year? <laughs> 873. I'm going to go 853 for Hayward. <laughs> how many games? So good. He's going to be so good. We know is he like is he this year's Trace Thompson or is Trace Thompson this year's Trace Thompson? Trace Thompson's this year's Trace Thompson. Okay. No, what I really I don't think Hayward's gonna play much. Um I think he might get released. Yeah, I think he'll get released. Do so you think the um, answer is zero games? No, no. I think he plays 46 games, and I think he has a 586 OPS. Like wow. I think it's like I, I think I was, it's the fu- I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I love Hayward. Um it's just like if I really have to answer that, I think it's his last show. Like, I think it's, it's the last dance of like, Hey, I'm going to try it one more time. And you know, it'll be clear to him that his time's up and, and that'll be that. I, I hope I'm wrong again. Like that's, that's just what, what I see it as guy didn't even play last year. Like, you know, he, he's had a lot of time off now. I don't think that's going to help him at this stage. Uh, I, I think the writing's on the wall. And, and to arms point too. He's going to need playing time to get, you know, accustomed back to big league ball. And if you're the Dodgers, why are you giving Jason Hayward consistent playing time? Like, there's no reason to do so. So I think he plays less than what Arm said. I think he's got 30 games under his belt. I think I would take the under on 600 OPS. And I think he flames out and he won't end up being a Dodger. But at the same time, would we be shocked if he puts up a 780 OPS this year? I would. It's crazy. He's part two. He's 33. He's I would not be shocked. Why do why do we feel like he's like 40? Eric Hosmer and Jason Hayward are the same age. <laughs> Can we move and, on? <laughs> They're both like Hayward's been Rom, right? Yeah. Eric Eric Hosmer and Javier Baez make me so upset. Sorry. Uh so unreasonably upset. 35 games for Jason Hayward and a 664 OPS. Oh wow. So he's balling. He's ball. Then he'll, then he'll stick around. 35 games on a 664 OPS. Well, you're, but I think if he has a 664 OPS, he'll stick around. That would be his highest since 2020. Yeah. I think he'll stick around if he has that. All right. Um. Okay. Next one. Higher WRC plus Austin Riley or Rafi Devers. <laughs> and we can get into the pre-arm conversation if we want. No. But before we do that, let me just tell you this. In 2022, Austin Riley had a 142 WRC+. Rafi Devers had a 141 WRC+. In 2022, Austin Riley had an 878 OPS. Rafi Devers had an 879 OPS. So Devers was one point better in OPS, and Riley was one point better in WRC+. Who's the better hitter in 23? we're about to start ranking our top 10 players at each position. One of the most 
entertaining, fun things that we do over here at Just Baseball. Um, and I don't know where to rank these two because Jack and I were talking pre-record and I said, how are we going to rank them? And I said, well, Riley's probably the better defender and Jack wasn't in agreement with me. Um, so it's going to be interesting when we come out and rank them, but I still think that even though the stats are so close, I still think Rafael Devers is the better hitter. I think Rafael Devers is a top five left-handed hitter in the game. I love what he brings to the table every day. And I think signing that big contract, well, they both signed big contracts, so they're both now comfortable too. So I can't give that all to Devers. But I would give the slight edge to Rafael Devers. I only think he's going to keep getting better and better, but Riley will too, but. I've, I think it's going to be Devers, but again, I think it's going to be slim like last year. I think it's going to be 145 to 143 or similar to that. So it's a great question. It's a really good question. I mean, it's crazy because they're, they're so similar, like Jack mentioned, and, and you just mentioned they're also similar in age, like similar with the way that they've actually curbed a lot of their defensive issues, right? And both are, are no matter who you think is better, both have made themselves very serviceable third basemen. Yeah. What Riley did in the second half is really eye-opening. I know he kind of did it the year before too, though. Um, how hard he hits the ball. But then you look at a Rafi Devers, and he gets to some pitches where you're like, what What the hell was that? How? Um, I'm going to go Riley just because I really like what I saw in the second half. His approach, I think, is a little bit better. He doesn't whiff as much, which is interesting because – you actually look at, at historically their strikeout rates. Devers is lower, but Riley actually, Riley actually takes better hacks, better a swings. Doesn't doesn't whiff in the zone as much. I think Riley figured it out, and not not to say that Devers didn't. Like Devers figured it out earlier, but I think we're just now seeing what it looks like for Riley figuring it out. And and I think he, you know, I might sprinkle on him to win the MVP next year. So if I'm going to do that, I got to say that Riley's going to have a better better year than Devers. But man, I mean, like. It's going to be neck and neck the whole way, um, and and I think these two guys are going to kind of assert themselves as that next wave of of those those the next really talented third baseman to kind of take over this game once you have some of the older guys kind of on their way out. So I'm I the guess my right only now. my only counterpoint would be that Riley had to have an all world second half to be close to Rafael Devers, and Devers only really had one bad month, and that was back in August. Dude slash 163, 226, 288 in August. Like every month he was 900 OPS and then just fell off a cliff that month. I think he's safer. Imagine playing the second half of that Red Sox team where they lose every day. Like that that mindset. But then again, the Braves are going to be in it every single day. And the Red Sox will see what happens next year. So maybe that could carry over to, again, maybe support your point. But I I just feel that Devers is a slightly better hitter. Just I mean, first 80 like, games, Peter, first 80 games for Rafi Devers, 327, 384, 593. That's a 977 OPS. Yeah. So I, was, was he pressing for the extension a little bit? Because he, he was sub 800 in the, the second, you know, you know the yeah. last 80 games, he was like 790 something. Was he pressing? Was he losing interest because the, the Red Sox sucked? Was he, you know, a little banged up? A lot of different things. So it is an interesting point because you have a guy that was actually one of the best hitters in the game for the first half. And then you have another guy who is one of the best hitters in the game for the second half. So um, I, I'm really interested to see how they both string it together next year. Uh, and they both got their bag. So that's a great question. I And literally, I think it's a coin flip. 
Yeah. So I'm the tie break here. And I'm going to go with Riley, actually, because I, um, Peter, you said you think Devers is the safer hitter. I said, no. I said that I, I like, I just, you I think, think Devers that, is a safer hitter than Riley. I don't know. I, now I don't know. <laughs> I, I just think like, okay. And going back to your point arm about Devers meeting balls that like no human on earth should be able to meet, like he'll park an eye high fastball. And I'm like, how the hell did he do that? But also if you start swinging and missing at those eye high fastballs, here you are with your zone extended. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, it can almost snowball negatively for Devers way quicker than it does Riley because Riley, like he he does not miss mistakes. You mentioned that. In the zone, the dude pounds pitches in the strike zone. And if they're not where they're supposed to be, they're getting sent to the moon. I think Riley, when I watch Riley, I I feel like the game is working slower for him than it does Devers. I I feel like it's a simple, like, there's the pitch. I'm going to shit on this type of approach for for Riley. And that's why I go with Austin Riley. I guess I'm my excited. thing is to Devers hit 38 jacks in 2021 while Riley hit 38 jacks last year. Devers hit 27 last year. Like I I see 40 home run power with Devers. So if he can get back to that, that's that little push. While I don't think Riley has another big push in him. I feel like we might see 35 to 40 every year from Riley and like, he's amazing. But then if we see 35 to 40 from Devers, that's what gives him the leap. And I think that's in there. So I'm going to go yeah. with Devers. Last thing that's weird to me on Devers is, is how much he expands his own 36% wow. chase rate, um, which is fascinating because he only strikes out 18.6% of the time. And often it's high. Like he yeah. expands his own upstairs. Fastball chase also- rate of 30, 30, Point one percent or thirty point four percent, which is really high, honestly. Swinging strike rate on fastballs of nineteen percent, very high, which is amazing because like he hits so well despite that. If he reins in the approach a little bit, like if this guy tones it down, that's the scary part. Is he could legitimately be the best one of the best hitters in baseball. Period. But that's the thing we have that if question. If he does this, then we've got best hitter. In yeah. Baseball. So Riley's probably safer. To, yeah. To, so to I circle I back Riley, to that. But like Devers, no if. but Devers' ceiling is, I guess, even higher. But you made a good point. Maybe was he chasing, trying to do damage because nobody else in that Red Sox lineup is doing it, and he's pressing for an extension. Like I'm his sure he wasn't seeing much to hit. Is to drive in runs, and he's seeing one fastball a game, and he's just trying to do anything that he can to put up runs for his team. While Riley has Matt Olson behind him and Acuna in front of him, and all he has to do is see pitches, and he can take a walk to get driven in. So I'm curious if that. Those chase rates, like, I'd love to see what they were a couple of years ago or something like that. Like, is this new for Devers? Because, I mean, Devers' approach, like, he rakes. Like, I wouldn't say he has a bad approach, but those numbers are the numbers, right? I'm just – I feel like there's underneath context to those. But maybe that's all – that's the way he's always been. But I could just see that affecting him last year. Now Yoshida protection is going to help. Yeah, mightily. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, last one. How many qualified starters finished the season with an ERA under 2.2? This past year, Justin Verlander had a 175 in 175 innings. He did qualify. Um, Julio Rios was next at 216. Dylan Cease was next at 220. In 2021, the best ERA among qualified starters was Corbin Burns at 243. In 2019, 
The best ERA among qualified starters was Hyunjin Ryu. How about that? At 2-3-2. So in the last two full seasons before 2022, the lowest ERAs were 2-3-2 and 2-4-3. This year, we had three guys with a 2-2-0 or better. Do you think that is a baseball change that has happened? Do you think it continues? Or do you think this year was super fluky? I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say zero. I think the banning of the shift will not help pitchers. Now, I think it'll be not minuscule where you'll barely see it, but I think you will be able to see it. I could still see one guy sneaking under there, but I'm going to go revert back to offense comes back a little bit in our game, and we don't see anyone go below there. But I feel like we will see the best pitchers in baseball be right around that mark, kind of yeah. like the Ryu two three two that year, like right in that sweet spot. Yeah, Arias, you know, he had a great year, but he was one of the like guys you point to of really outperforming a lot of the underlying stats. And then you look at Verlander; he had this phenomenal season, but another guy that kind of outperformed a lot of his underlying stats. Still, both had phenomenal seasons. I don't I don't know if I see somebody doing it this year. I mean, Peter's point kind of kind of attests to it. I think history shows the last few years that it hasn't really happened. Arias never went deep into starts. He kind of worked as a four or five inning guy most of the year, a little bit of six innings. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to treat him the same way this year. I don't know if he's going to have the same level of success this year. Uh, I don't think anybody does. I agree. I, I think nobody is is sub two two. Um, I, I think there's just there's just too many good hitters, and I think a lot of guys are starting to figure some things out and. Um, it's really hard to have a sub two, two ERA in today's game. It's really damn hard. I'm going to say zero. Okay. I'm going to say one and it's going to be one of Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan, Corbin Burns, or Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley. Yeah. What about <laughs> Brandon Fott? I said one of them. True. Okay. You can't. Yeah. I like it. All yeah. Right. It's going to be say one, one of them. them. <laughs> he did. Are you going to put Buddy in there? Technically, I could, hell, let's let's throw Bundy in there. Can we throw Kenta Maeda in there on a bounce back? I am curious. What is your guys' opinion of that point of the shift being bad? How much do you think that's going to affect pitchers? I think that we still need to have an offensive change in philosophy before that really affects pitchers. You know what I mean? Like, I still think there are going to be guys that are selling out for the home run ball and hitting the ball in the air is better for hitters than hitting the ball on the ground still. So I, I think it's going to take a couple of years for that to like fully come into play. I think it's going to make a difference. Um, I think it's smaller, like, like you said, but I think it makes a difference. And I think it could be enough of a difference where instead of having one guy with a two, one, six, we have, you know, zero guys with a sub two. Like, I think it can make that much. I think it can make that much of a difference. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the way that that guys are positioned. We always, you know, we have confirmation bias on the shift getting beaten all the time. You know, where it's like, oh, see, like the shift didn't work there. So many times you have an inning and ending double play, or you have a shift that takes away a double. Right? It's not just about taking away the singles. The shift that's taking away a double, or that's taking away, you know, a bases loaded big hit, or like there's so many situations where it's multiple runs that are being taken off the board. Um, I, I'm gonna. I think it's gonna make a difference. I, I don't know how to quantify it. Uh, if if it was like what percent out of a hundred, I think it's like a five to eight percent difference, maybe. But 
that's that's significant enough to have nobody with a two two. Uh and, and it's really freaking hard to have a two two. I I'm surprised we had three guys with a two two and below this past year, to be honest. And um Julio Arias being babied a little bit, I think helped that. Think no, so. but also like as a baseball fan, think to yourself, um, well, why are they doing the shift so much? It must be working. And why yeah, are the exactly. teams like guys the are Rays and the Dodgers and all these the Guardians, like these teams who are driven by analytics using it so much it's because it works like why do they have to ban it because every team uses it now because to the point where you see a little dribbler go down the third baseline and you think to yourself well there would have been a third baseman there or you see a ground ball to shortstop and you say well everyone was on the right side of the infield but most of those balls are going the right side of the infield and all of those ones that get gobbled up in shallow right field those would have been base hits and Like the, it is definitely in effect, and I'm excited to see this year because I am a proponent of banning the shift. I want to see more offense, and I'm biased. And I want to see more sick these, plays. Yeah, the Yankees have all these huge lefties, and like I want to see a hit. But yeah. in reality, I just want to see more offense throughout the league. I think it makes the product more entertaining. All right, I'm done. I can't wait to give you guys my stream of consciousness, and I cannot wait to rank top tens. Yeah, no, top wait. tens coming. Top tens coming. Um. I'm stressed already. Um, it it stresses me out. It, there's so many good players in this game, and we have to somehow decide which are better than the others, even though it, our rankings don't really matter, but we still stress out about it because it's important. Um, How are we going to rank Riley Endeavors? I, How? Dude, d- <laughs> w- w- I, that's, I don't want to stress out about it right now, all right? <laughs> I don't want to stress out about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun conversation back and forth, some good debates. And those episodes have always been, you know, some of our, our best performers. Also, some of our, uh, we definitely get a lot of angry people, which is always fun. Um, embrace debate. Embrace debate. So looking forward to that. Jack and I just put out Cleveland Guardians, top prospects that, Full write-up is also, I wrote that up, is on JustBaseball.com. That took me forever because that system is like 90 deep. Uh, They could have their own top 100 list. That was a lot of fun. Any other programming notes? I know we're we're getting ready to launch pretty much a lot of the other podcasts we teased, so keep an eye out for that the next couple weeks. Taylor Davis art looks pretty sick. Just saw the email for that. So that show and go, that podcast can be a lot of fun. A lot of good stuff coming out. I know, Peter, you're excited for baseball season to get those, those units up, but... I, I'm really excited for for those picks too to tail that. But you've had a pretty good stretch the last couple last couple football picks, right? No, no, no never mind. Shit. I'm a I've dick. Been dog shit in football lately. Um, but overall, That's hitting at 58. percent It's hard to hit 58 percent in the NFL. It's been a great NFL season. Uh, arms wearing is just baseball. Uh, athletic long sleeve and the hat on backwards. Jack's wearing his hat. I'm wearing my not gambling advice tee. You can find all that in the episode description for merch. It's the best way to support our channel as well as leaving a five-star review. Um, let us know what you like. Let us know what you want to see moving forward. We got top tens coming out. We got betting previews coming out. We got world baseball classic stuff yes. coming out. Tons and tons of stuff. We'll keep you entertained here on the Just Baseball Show and on JustBaseball.com. And with that, thank you, everybody. 